Hey, it's John here, pastor of the Open Door Church. We're going to jump right in pretty quickly here to the sermon uh, from this Sunday. It is uh, January 10th, the first Sunday of Epiphany. Trying to come up with a title for the podcast or the sermon this week. All I can get is DJT, Herod, White Supremacy, and Loving One Another. I don't know. It's tough uh, to preach on days like this. But here's the message. I hope that it will encourage you and challenge you um, in the ways that God desires for you to be encouraged, lifted up, and challenged today. Scripture picks up where it left off last week. Last week we heard about the Magi bringing gifts to the Lord. We can learn from the Magi, learn um, how these gifts can represent ways of being for us as followers of Jesus. Today we're going to begin with verse 12, the verse that we ended with last week. Verse 12, Matthew chapter 2. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. And Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men. He was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem, who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are all quite familiar with chaos these days, aren't we? 
This week has been an emotional roller coaster, most of it feeling like a free fall into total chaos. Right now, we all need to practice some simple acts, practice extending and receiving love and support in our families, in our church, in our communities. I think that our scripture, Mary and Joseph in our scripture, can teach us a lot about support giving and support receiving. The chaos that Mary and Joseph and now baby Jesus experienced must have been worse than anything I can imagine, anything I've been through, began before Jesus' birth and continued right through his toddler years. Their young lives as a family continued on at a time of great oppression, oppression against the Jewish people under the rule of a man named Herod the Great, one of the most oppressive and cruel rulers of the Roman Empire. And Jesus and his family would be uprooted again and again over the first three years of his life. When people flee from their homes, what do we call that? When they flee from their homes due to violence, due to political unrest, they're refugees. Jesus began his life as an immigrant, an asylum seeker, as a refugee. I can only imagine the fear that Mary and Joseph would have felt in the early days of Jesus' life. We're no stranger to fear in our lives. I think it's probably unhealthy, it's probably unhelpful for us to compare our fear currently, our chaotic circumstances currently, our anxieties with those of others. It's surely not healthy to try to compare um, to Jesus or to Mary and Joseph. We're all experiencing fear, anxiety, some of us depression, and many of us are dealing with trauma right now. The trauma of just the past few years, things that have happened in our lives, the trauma of living through this pandemic, of losing loved ones, or of seeing loved ones get sick, or just of being afraid of this disease, the trauma of this president that, that has been caused by this president. While none of us have experienced what it's like to be a refugee, we all know the feeling when our lives seem to be turned upside down. We all know the feeling of the past year when we don't know if anything that was once solid will ever be solid again. If we can rely on the things that were once solid as a rock in our lives. Joseph and Mary had to flee for their lives, losing their livelihood leaving their family in Bethlehem, even leaving their, their land where they had practiced their faith in community. For those of you who've had to move away from a beloved community, you know how hard it can be. Today we're all experiencing fear, anxiety, trauma, and pain, just like Joseph and Mary had experienced. 
Now, I don't only want to allude, I can't only allude to what happened this week. This week, our country experienced, I'm going to use the word again, unprecedented events. You need a thesaurus to come up with some other words to use. We experienced events when supporters of DJT, I won't even use his name here, violently stormed the Capitol building, vandalizing it, desecrating it, putting hundreds of our elected officials in danger. As you know, five people were killed in that attack on our government. Many were hurt. We've never seen anything like this before since the War of 1812 when the British Army burned the capital. Even during the Civil War, nothing happened like this to our capital, to our government. Like many of you, I listened to the events as they unfolded, first on NPR and then on television. And in the days since, I've learned as you have, that things were much, much more violent than they first seemed. There was probably intent to harm, intent maybe to kill, intent to take hostages. During the riot, I saw several posts on Facebook from friends saying how afraid they were, afraid for our nation, afraid for our future, afraid for their children. This one event demonstrates to us how a corrupt and power-hungry leader can foment hatred and blatant lies. And yeah, it's scary. It demonstrates to us that masses of people can be swayed to believe lies by a powerful and some would say charismatic leader. But let us not ignore, let, let's go even further, not ignore the underlying reality that supports DJT, the storming of the building, that supports that happening. All of it is made possible by the underlying reality of white supremacy and white nationalism in our country. The American Christian Church has for far too long been an accomplice in extreme right-wing politics that prop up white supremacy and white nationalism. On Wednesday, we saw that mob of thousands of angry white Americans break in and vandalize the Capitol, violently attack police, and put a halt to our democracy. One NPR reporter said, the shocking part is not that a pro-Trump mob did exactly what they've been saying they're going to do, but that they were just allowed to do it, she said. She went on to say, especially as we saw such heavy-handed tactics against BLM and other civil rights activists this year. Our nation had almost no plan to deal with what we knew would be thousands of right-wing extremists gathering to stop the certification of a fair and just election. What we saw on Wednesday was white privilege, white supremacy at its worst. It must stop. It must never be supported in the way that it has been by the American church. 
Now, church is like the open door. Like, you all have to speak out. And we have been, and it's exhausting and hard. But we have to speak out about the evils if we want to have any credence in sharing the good news in our world today. I'm proud of our small church, that you all are people of great love and justice. We know the gospel has been distorted by white supremacy in the United States. And we've been speaking against it for years. We just didn't know it was this bad. And so we are afraid and we mourn. We need right now to be here for each other more than ever. And we need to share a good news that lifts up the poor and demonstrates that salvation is for all people out of God's love. Herod seems much, seems so much to be a perfect figure for us to focus in on for a minute this first Sunday of Epiphany. Herod was a fearful, scared, but powerful and power-hungry leader. All of Herod's power came from his commitment to the Roman Empire. He was ruler over Judea and remained in power because of his great building projects, repairing and expanding the temple in Jerusalem. So people were like, well, I mean, at least he's building the temple. Building the massive port of Caesarea. I've been there. It's incredible. Herod was called great because he had great power. All of it borrowed from Rome and propped up by giving the Jewish people some of what they wanted. They wanted power. Many of the Jews loved him for all that he built, all that he accomplished for them, all the economic benefits that he created. But he was a brutal dictator who had his own son executed, and one of his wives and her family too. Anyone who got in his way would be crushed. He was so threatened by the baby Jesus that he ordered that every child under two be killed in Bethlehem. Herod was a dangerous, self-absorbed egomaniac who remained in power for decades. Leaders like Herod will do anything to remain in power. They'll do anything to extinguish those who threaten their power. Well, we've had four years with DJT in power, but thanks to over 80 million voters, his time as president has come to an end. We've seen the current administration do everything it could to extinguish the flame of democracy in this country. Many of them have left the administration now. But there's still a core fighting. For Herod, it wasn't until his death that his reign came to an end. We thank God that in America we have democracy. It was threatened this week. I want to shift here before I finish up and focus in on Joseph. 
See, this would have been, when I started this sermon on Monday, I thought, this is going to be really quick, really short. <laughs> but I, it couldn't uh, remain what it was. What I wanted to do was only focus in on the person of Joseph. In the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph is the primary uh, focus. He's the, he's the lead character in, in Matthew's telling of the story here. Very different from Luke. Joseph is in many ways the lead character after the birth of Jesus. We don't read much about Mary except that Joseph provides leadership and protection. Now, for those of us who might consider ourselves feminists or a bit more progressive about male and female relationships um, and leadership in the family, Matthew's gospel might seem patriarchal. And in reality, it was written in a time of great patriarchy. Matthew wrote his gospel in a time when, yes, uh, Mary needed a man in order to be safe in the situation she was in. Mary and Jesus probably could not have survived without Joseph. Thank God that today that is changing and women and men can be equals with one another. If we focus in on Luke's gospel and gloss over Matthew's because it leaves us less inspired, um, I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't need to be that way. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't gloss over. Oftentimes we do, though. We focus in on Luke at Christmas time. We're missing a great narrative if we do that of self-sacrifice, of love, in the face of great danger, great hardship, and trauma. See, we all need people like Joseph, especially right now. We all need to act like Joseph too. All of us, not just, not just men, women, all of us. We can be protectors. We can be leaders at times for those we love, for those who are in need. First, Joseph receives this message from God in a dream, right? Now, I can only speculate what it was like for Joseph to hear a message from God in a dream. Was it crystal clear? Was it more like my dreams where I wake up barely remembering what happened, just have a few moments of, of memory of it? Did Joseph feel like he had seen, heard, and experienced God in that dream? Or was Joseph a bit confused and questioning what happened? Either way, we, either way we answer that, we know that Joseph took action. According to the scripture, Joseph takes immediate action before the sun comes up for the sake of his family. Now, this was probably three or so years after Jesus' birth. Mary and Joseph were making a life for themselves in Bethlehem with the extended family of Joseph. And now, a few years after the drama of the birth of Jesus, they're forced to leave their homes and find safety in a far-off land. They become refugees. God becomes a child refugee. In Egypt, they are political refugees. Joseph continues to take the lead, though. 
he continues to provide the protection and decision-making support that at this time, Mary and Jesus need. I think this is so important for us to, to recognize and not gloss over. There are times in our lives when we need help. We need to let go of control, like Mary is able to do, and allow someone else to provide the help that we need. At this point in their relationship, Mary's able to let go and let Joseph be a protector for a while. In that day, 2,000 years ago, we know this would have been necessary. Without a strong male leader, Mary would have been forced into extreme poverty due to her circumstances. But Joseph gives all that he can for the sake of his family, a family that isn't even his biologically. Now, dwell on that for a second here. We usually think, well, Joseph had this dream from God, and so he, he was, must have had 100% faith that this child was born a virgin birth. But it, even though it wasn't his child, he, he must have known for sure everything. Is that, the, is that what it is to be human? Do we ever know anything for absolute certain? Do we ever not doubt? Of course Joseph would have struggled. If we do that, we're, we're, if we ignore that, we're decreasing the credit we should give to Joseph, and we're probably giving excuses to ourselves when we face our own hard decisions. Joseph would have had every struggle, every doubt that you and I have. Sure, he was fully committed to his family, and that's my point. Many people would have continued to harbor jealousy and mistrust, anger, questions about his own sanity. Joseph sacrifices his own well-being for the sake of Mary and Jesus. Jesus grew up with very few privileges, but growing up with a person like Joseph in his life is one of those privileges. Do you know anyone who has a stepmother or a stepfather do you know anyone who is a stepmother or a stepfather and gives everything to their adopted children? Do you know stepparents who entered into a relationship or a marriage and really had no idea what they were giving into, but are 100% committed, like it's their own family, like it is their own child? Think about Joseph. He had no idea that the ruler of the land would send his soldiers to kill this child. He had no idea he was going to become a refugee. Many pe people would have walked away, said, this is crazy, I'm out. Do you know parents who could have taken that path? Maybe they're our role models right now, that we can take the more difficult path in supporting those who need our support. So to whom in your life are you being invited uh, to be their Joseph right now? Who needs some extra support? Love, commitment from a friend, a family member, a neighbor. Someone in your life needs that support. I believe you can give it. And on the other hand, who do you need to accept support from? None of us want to admit when we feel weak when we need support 
maybe you need to reach out for professional support right now. Nothing to be ashamed of. I've had just about every kind of professional support that that you can uh, that you can pay for. Um, I've had a therapist. I've had a spiritual director. I've had a coach. I've had them all, and I'm proud of it. Maybe you need to accept the help and support of someone right now. Our world is crazy. Our lives are in upheaval. Can you humble yourself like Mary and invite that support into your life? Not only being like Mary and Luke, where she's so strong, the bold family leader, but also like Mary and Matthew, where she can accept love and support from Joseph. For us, this is not a sexist or male-female thing. All of us need to extend support, and all of us can accept it. Right now, we all need to be in this together. So please reach out to others in our church. Please step up and help where you can help. Please look out for your neighbors. Be the neighbor who gives of yourself without expectations for anything in return. We are in this together, and together we're going to get through it. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of Earth, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Amen. You can visit the Open Doors website um, to find anything else out about the church you might be looking for. That's uh, pghopendoor.net. Um, all of our music is created in-house. Uh, our band is called This Side of Eve. You can check out our music, thissideofeve.com.